Hello, how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. I am historian Matt, and uh, I usually talk about tech news and science news and stuff like that, but uh, I'm not going to talk about FTX or Twitter this time around. I got other stuff. I'm actually not going to do news at all. I'm going to talk about learning to lisp. Oh, I spelled that wrong. But anyways, learn to lisp part five, other data structures. This is the kind of the, it's not the final one here, but uh, it's going to be the the last in a, a short sequence to kind of finish up learning to lisp. And since I have HK here and he needs to learn to lisp, a real programming <laughs> language, <laughs> decided to do it. So HK, what do you got? All right. I am HK Perrin and I am a software engineer. So I generally cover software engineering news. Uh, and this week I've got a big, big story about Mastodon version 4.0 came out with a lot of new features. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, and then uh, my second story is actually something I myself created. It's a program called QuickDAV and I got it in the Microsoft store. So I'm uh, quite excited about that. And uh, Dave, what do you got? So surprisingly enough, there's uh, really not much Elon on my, uh, my list this week. I got Elizabeth Holmes gets sentenced. I got Intel claims they have a fake catcher that can detect deep fakes within milliseconds on a video file. And then uh, former president was reinstated on Twitter. And uh, take it away, Matt. All right. I'm going to do learn to list part five other data, data structures. So we covered some data structures in Lisp in previous, uh, you know, parts of the show. These are some that we didn't get to quite yet, but they're pretty important to the way Lisp works. And uh, it's sort of a, the beginning of the end. I want to get to one final thing that's really cool about Lisp, but uh, you need to know these data structures before we get there. So, what am I going to talk about? So the first thing I want to talk about is keywords, our keywords. Uh, so keywords are symbolic identifiers that evaluate to themselves. I mean, they're, they provide fast equality tests and like symbols, they have names and optional namespaces and stuff like that. They start with a colon and naming rules is, are like a symbol. So keywords, they're really kind of confusing. I thought they're like probably the most confusing thing when you start learning Lisp. I mean, they're really easy to use and it, it takes a little bit to get used to like when to use them, but they're basically used as, you know, in other languages where you'd have strings, but these strings are like not coming from the user, right? They're not coming from external input. They're used like internally to, to do different things. And I'll give some examples of that a little bit later, and it'll hopefully make sense. But before I do that, show some examples of keywords. So these are three keywords. The first one is just name. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have a good name for it, so I just called it names. It's just keyword starts with a colon, and it's just the text. And then if you want like a multi-worded uh, keyword, the you can use various different symbols. It is limited. It's symbol to uh, various different characters. Uh, special characters. It's similar to way of pretty much anything in, in other languages, uh, like symbols and stuff in other languages. But in Lisp, generally, and closure, which this is this comes from as well, 
we generally use dash to separate out words and it looks kind of weird, but it's just kind of consistent for Lisp languages. And then finally, keywords, unlike strings, can have a namespace. So this last one is the family name keyword is in the user namespace. It's kind of silly because the other ones are actually also in the user namespace because that's just the default namespace. But I wanted to show how that's done. You can put whatever namespace you want in there to, you know, to add it to whatever namespace. This is useful sometimes uh, when you're uh, uh, doing stuff. Um, when you have, oftentimes you have libraries that use the same keywords, have different namespaces, or it's useful that way to separate them out by namespace. So that's keywords real fast. So now we get on some something actually like useful. Uh, the first one is sets. So sets are a collection of unique values. If you've been programming in most languages, you'll you've run into sets before. They're just collections of stuff. They're unordered, unlike lists. And they're basically optimized to test if you have a contain. So do you contain uh, something in it? Uh, the set literal, which is what you'd write in there, you can you can make them different ways, but if most of the time you'll just make a set literal in your code. That's basically you start with a hash symbol and the open curly brace, and then you list your items. Um, generally speaking, well, in Lisp and enclosure, the comma is white space. So oftentimes you uh, you can use them whenever you want, but most of the time people just leave off commas. There's certain times when they don't. But uh, uh, yeah, it's just a list of whatever you want to put in the list. And finally close it with a curly brace at the end. And of course I have examples. So here's some quick examples. So this first part is the, uh, what is the, literal that somebody would type in to their code. And then I have a little arrow that says, you know, what it actually evaluates to this. Is the first one, it's not important. It's just a set with the keyword a in it. And so this is one of the uses of keywords is just have it in here. There are reasons why you'd want to do that. A lot of times you wouldn't use a keyword in a set. It would probably be a string, but uh, we'll get to some other stuff uses for keywords in a minute. And then the second one is a set where they've added eight, you know, keywords A, B, C, and D. But you notice when it's evaluated, the order is mixed up because there's no order, no specified order, and you're just using it for contains. It's really like a hash set, so it's whatever the hash order is. And then finally, you can mix in the set. You can mix the items, the types in the the set. You generally, wouldn't do this, but sometimes you you might. Very very rarely you would do it. So you have a key in this last one. You have the keyword A, the string foo, and the number five. And they get uh, mixed up in the order again because it's hash order. So that sets. And then the final um, data structure I want to show are maps. Uh, and again, if you've done any programming, you've probably run into maps of some sort. They're probably called something else. In Java, they're hash maps or I, I don't know what else they call them. Tree maps, I think, or some. <laughs> but they're maps, you know. In uh, um, Tree maps are very different than hash maps. Yes, but they're still maps, and that's the important thing. Okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, what is in Java? It's like, uh, is, is it a dict in Java, or is it still maps, or JavaScript? Uh, JavaScript, there is a map, uh, but you can also just use an object. Objects basically do the same thing as maps, but they do have a maintained key order. Yeah. Uh, 
which is it it does uh it is strange but you can actually also just use the map class yeah. to define an actual map yeah so a map in uh closure anyways a lisp in general uh well for closure closure that has a fax fast access um log 32n for their hash maps you don't really get a choice of if you want to do tree maps or whatever it's going to be like basically a hash map you can make the other types of maps if you do it sort of more manually if that makes sense but the standard map is a hash map uh the one that you can use making a literal which i'll show how to do in a sec and then finally the you can actually order the maps uh the the keys in the map uh or you can leave them unordered for fast hash maps you have to uh um i think you have to do some special stuff to make it an actual ordered map if you want to do that and then finally the the literal is very it looks very similar to set and that's uh, kind of annoying but also why i wanted to add a set for this but it's basically instead of starting with the hash you actually just start with the curly brace then you list pairs of items so one's the key the second one is the value in the map and you keep listing pairs until you're done and you add a closing curly brace and i'll show you what that looks like so this first one is a map that goes from the keyword foo to the string bar and that's one of the the big uses for keywords is basically as keys into a map you'll see them very often as keys in the map so there's some other uses but you'll see it very often so the second one i have second example is you know mappings from keywords to numbers and the first one's a to one b to two and c to three this one has commas in here you wouldn't always put commas um often what people do is instead of listing them out straight like this is you'd stack them with uh each each line being a separate mapping so the first one is you know a to one and the second one would be b to two and the third one c to three each on their own lines and then you wouldn't have commas in there at all because you don't really need them they're separated on the line breaks uh you can see them either way in this but it, sometimes when i have it listed out like this i like to have the commas here you said that uh the comma acts as white space right it's considered white space yeah so it means absolutely okay. nothing so if if your second example there didn't have any commas at all it would still evaluate to the same thing yes interesting okay yeah what happens if you have a a key without a value you'd have a problem if you have an odd number of items in the between the curly braces right so if it doesn't evaluate it can't be evaluated into a map it would throw an exception basically okay uh and then the last one i'm just showing you can map from strings to numbers you can even do numbers to strings whatever you want to do uh so i have you know names strings with uh, of names of fred bob and angela and then some random numbers i think the numbers actually came from something when i looked this up but i don't remember anymore <laughs> Do the types have to be consistent? Well, technically, no. They can be any type, but you okay. would really always want to have consistent types. You'd always want if you you probably always want either keywords or strings for the keys, and the values can be whatever. But you'd probably want them to be the same type because generally, when you use them, you're expecting certain types. But you can mix types. Yes. Okay. It's very loosey goosey, but you know, it's duck typing type thing. If it looks like a looks like a duck, 
talks like a duck, walks like a duck, then it must be of type duck, right? You know, Matt, it really reminds me of PHP. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I surprised. figured that would get under your skin. <laughs> <laughs> I actually never used PHP. I've looked at it, but I never like really seriously used it. So syntactically it's extremely different but yeah with regard to like anything can be any type it's similar yeah well it's pretty common in a lot of scripting languages for that kind of thing to do that sort of thing and then you generally just use the same types by convention you don't um, mess around with the types there are some i mean i've used some scripting languages where they get really strict about the types and it gets really annoying really fast TypeScript is like that. Uh, I code in TypeScript, and I love TypeScript. Sometimes it works fine. It kind of depends on what they're, how they deal with it. It um, has but, it has saved me so many headaches. Like so many times, I'll I'll do something, and TypeScript will be like, "You idiot! That is not a string. That is very yeah. clearly a number. I know that. How did you not know that?" And I'm yeah. like, "Oh, thank you, TypeScript." <laughs> it's a bit more polite in its messages, but you know what I mean. Maybe you could fork it yeah. and make it impolite. <laughs> impolite TypeScript. <laughs> That's all I got for my slides, by the way. Okay. So I I, I like the concept of I don't impolite TypeScript. I don't understand any of that, but some of it looked like quantum grammar. I don't know if you know what quantum grammar is. <laughs> like at the very is beginning, is it related to lambda calculus? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but not. there's a guy who thinks he's the postmaster general of the universe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of it looked a little like quantum grammar. <laughs> he's, yeah, I mean, he's probably kind of faking that sort of thing. Uh, lots, of, lots of colons and hyphens. But I will have to remind you that the universe was, in fact, made out of, made from, and, or written in Lisp. I don't think that's know. true. I think the uter- universe was written in Perl. <laughs> That's true. How else do you explain all the issues? Fair enough. <laughs> Somewhere I have the comic for that. Well, that, that's interesting. I don't, you know, I'm not a programmer, but I hope uh, other people out there who are uh, programmers and have never tried Lisp, uh, maybe give it a go because of this, the series you've done here. Yep. Nope. Cool. So, because it's HK's turn. All right. So uh, this week, I've got a really cool story. It's about Mastodon. Uh, in case you don't know, we run our own Mastodon instance called port87.social. And just this morning, I upgraded it to Mastodon 4.0. Mastodon 4.0 just came out last week. Uh, and it includes some really big, awesome changes. One of the big changes is you can now follow hashtags. So if, you're, if your feed is kind of bare because you're not following a lot of people, now you can follow hashtags and you'll get a much better, more rich feed. Uh, really awesome feature. I love to see that. And I love that Mastodon is growing and evolving. And, you know, it's, it's a really cool social network. Uh, you should definitely get on Mastodon if you haven't already. Uh, and you can get on it at port87.social. Uh, another one of the big features is you can now translate posts. Uh, so if a post is in a foreign language that you don't speak, you can translate that to your own language. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, user roles are now customizable. So if you have 
basically something where you want someone in between like a, a, a moderator and an admin. So you want them to have moderator powers, but just a little bit more, but not quite admin powers. You can now create a role right in between there and you can assign permissions to that role. Uh, so that's a really awesome feature. Uh, and there are also just tons of bug fixes and improvements, uh, just much smaller things, but there, there are a lot of them and it's, it's a really, really good version. Uh, very awesome to see that. Um, and if your instance owner hasn't updated yet, uh, go ahead and start bugging them because it is really cool. It introduces a lot of features. It's a big deal. Uh, it's a, it's definitely a, a welcome upgrade and I'm sure your, uh, your instance owner won't be too upset if you bug them daily for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I haven't gone into it too much. I've, I basically took, uh, what amounts to an actual day off today, except for uh, doing this. But when you follow the hashtags, do they show up in your main feed then, or do you have to go to your hashtag feed for it? Your main feed. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm I'm with that. Yeah, it's just like following a person; they'll show up in your in your main feed. It's a little bit annoying for me. I, there might be a different uh, something else I can do, but I'm following so many people now. My feed is just continuously changing. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It's actually like I've I've been getting really into it. It's getting a lot livelier it's definitely yeah. like uh it it is growing fast yeah and i i love to see it because it's such a cool program and it's such a it's such an awesome concept the fediverse as a whole you know it's not just mastodon there's other fediverse uh fediverse projects that can talk with mastodon and i love that concept of the openness of having this platform where you know if you don't like mastodon you can you can bring up a server of something else that that speaks activity pub and you can run that if that's what you want you know it's uh it's it's very open and it's it's such a cool concept i absolutely love it and i think the implementation is is amazing too like as i've been using it i've just been falling more and more in love with mastodon it's an awesome experience yeah and just just real quick i've been seeing some stuff on twitter where People are saying essentially that like, if you're like not a white dude, that Mastodon isn't for you. And I feel like on a lot of servers, maybe people feel like that, but I just want to let everybody know who, no matter who you are, you can obey our rules. You will find a safe place at port 87 where people will treat you well. And it's not, we're hoping not to have like a all white guys between 25 and 50, if we can avoid it. So <laughs> you're more than welcome on port 87. And uh, if you get there and you have any questions, just go to the go to the go to the local feed and see who's posting the most and and uh post at them and be like hey can you help me with something and they will probably say yes i i would have to say in terms of diversity I, it seems way more diverse than any any other social network i'm on oh well maybe you just yeah. maybe but you i mean you also got a good list of journalists to follow so yes if anybody wants a list of journalists to follow and instantly uh Import them into your Mastodon account. Let me know. Yeah. We're working <laughs> on a dystopia at your beat. At Hist Matt account or your at Matt on Hist Matt. Yes. Yeah, and we're at working Hist on Matt. Matt. Okay. We're working on a dystopia beat list too, so that people yes. can follow people who are covering things like the dystopia beat, our beat. Yeah. So <laughs> very good, very good. So it looks like uh, it looks like HK. You have another story, and it's uh, again sort of about you. <laughs> 
I do. Uh, so this story is about QuickDAV. This is uh, an application that I designed to make it easier. So I originally designed it to make it easier to move files from a Steam Deck to a computer or a fr- from a computer to a Steam Deck. I I submitted it to Valve and Valve was like, you know what? That's not a game. So we're not going to put it in the Steam store, but you can release it in another way. So it's been out on Linux for a while. Uh, Linux and SteamOS, there's a, there's a version you can download for that. But very recently, I got it out on the Microsoft Store. So it is now available on Windows. If you run Windows, you can go to the Microsoft Store and get QuickDAV right now. Uh, it is uh, $4.99, but there is a, uh, a week-long trial. So if you try it out and you don't like it, then... Feel free to just uninstall it and forget about it. Uh, but this is a this is an application that's designed to make it easy to transfer files between devices, and it does that through WebDAV. And WebDAV is an open protocol that a lot of different clients support. Whether you run Windows, Mac, Linux, uh, both GNOME and KDE, and I'm sure XFCE and LXDE, I'm sure all the desktop environments, uh, iOS, Android. There are clients for everything. Most of those systems have a client built in. So, you know, it's uh, it's very cool to, to be able to transfer files without having to install anything on the other computer. Uh, and also, QuickDAV is built on my own open source technology. If you want to run your own WebDAV server uh, without, like, the just the double-click an app and it loads up if you want to run it on like a dedicated linux machine that server that quickdav uses is available to use it's called nephile n-e-p-h-e-l-e uh it's on npm and you can download it and you can bring up a a dedicated webdav server uh just like you know uh like nextcloud for example gives you a webdav server this thing will give you a webdav server and its backend is just files on your file system so yeah, uh, I worked real hard on this, and it's super cool to see that it's in the Microsoft Store. I absolutely love it. I have it installed on my NAS, and I <clears throat> most people here just use Samba because that's what everybody's used to, but I was able to get it no problem transferring to uh, my Linux computer here, no problem sending files back to the server, and uh, I was able to have it work no problem in Kodi uh, on my TV, so... Awesome. So I, I did, I guess, some testing for you, but I just basically I'm telling you things you already know. <laughs> <laughs> the newest version, too, uh, not only can you do, can you transfer files with a WebDAV client, you can actually now just transfer files in your browser. So you open it up on your, on whatever computer you've got that you want to transfer files from or to, and then the other computer, you just open up a browser. You open up like, Chrome or Firefox or Edge or Brave or Vivaldi or Opera or Epiphany <laughs> or Conqueror or Safari or I don't know. I'm running out of browsers here. <laughs> well, very cool. Yeah, I've, I would have to say I installed it on my uh, desktop computer, but haven't actually tested it. Ah, well, you got to get on that. <laughs> I mean, beyond installing it and making sure that it actually you know worked and at least says it was working. I didn't transfer any files. But yeah, I'll put a, a link in the description uh, and probably I'll plaster it on top of my face right now. 
I'm telling you, do a write up and post it in uh, on Mastodon, and we'll start sharing it everywhere. Yeah, the history of it is actually pretty interesting. So if you want to hear about that, follow Matt on Mastodon, and I'll I'll give him the history of it, or follow me, and I'll post it. Or I don't know. <laughs> follow us. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I guess it's my turn. I just got a couple quick hits here. One, uh, former Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to 11 years and change in federal prison. She'd raised $700 million and change for a blood testing machine that did not work. Um, that's And she was telling everybody that it did work, and that's fraud. <laughs> she was defrauding investors. Um, you know... It's bad to go around defrauding people, but one of the people she defrauded was Henry Kissinger. So, I mean, I'm not that mad at her. Um, I'm surprised she got so much time. I thought they were going to be lenient on her um, because it was the case was done here in San Jose, where there's a pretty heavy bias toward the tech industry in favor of the tech industry. And uh, yeah, I just thought they weren't going to throw the book at her. And it turns out they uh, threw the book at her. Uh, I assume it's still a minimum security. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I don't imagine she's going to like, like a like a labor camp, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but <laughs> no, I mean, what? But there's no. Not I don't. Superbacks. So the idea here is to take this person out of society for a while. The idea here is not to inflict punishment on them via prison violence. So I don't see yeah. any reason to put her or any other nonviolent criminal in a high security facility. Um, it'll. It, you know you, the fact that you can't leave and people tell you when to get out of bed and all this stuff is bad enough i mean your freedom yeah. has been taken away from you so yeah of course she's yeah. going to be in a minimum security facility and i would not be i would be kind of bewildered and confused to find out if that she wasn't in a minimum security yeah. facility because there's no reason to put her anywhere harsh yeah the yeah. whole thing is it, i don't know if you've seen the the movies they now have on it or or any of the documentaries, anything, but it just seems so dumb. Like she was trying to make this small machine that was supposed to be like the size of a printer that does all the, the testing and would be fairly cheap, but they had a lot of problems with that size being too small to do what they needed to do and not putting enough blood in. And they had, they had like, they were trying to just take like a little tiny drop of blood and do all the testing. And the thing is, if they just made a bigger machine and took more blood, they could have done it. You know? Yeah, but those already exist, so there well, wouldn't have been anything novel. Like, the whole point of the cheaper. fraud was that she was developing something that didn't exist, and it was, like, amazingly novel, and that it, yeah. it was going to revolutionize medicine. Uh, and that's how she convinced so many people to give her their money. And yeah. she was not actually, like, seriously trying to work on this. She didn't think she... Well, maybe she did think that she could, but she had no reason to, and that's why it was fraud. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, there's all sorts of weird stuff going on, but I'm just saying... I mean, she like, also uh, lied. She, like, yeah. deliberately lied and said, we have this machine and it is working, when she very clearly did not. Yeah, I'm just saying, that if they made it, like, the size of a refrigerator, you know, and it was cheap enough for doctor's offices to buy... And instead of taking a small drop, it would take more, you know, a vial of blood, you know, and did all, and was actually capable of doing all the tests, which it seemed like that might be something that could happen. That'd still be useful. Right now, the doctors have to send it off to a testing lab. 
Oh. Um, the whole point was to bring it in house. Right. But I mean, had she done that, she'd be been competing with legitimate medical supply companies. Well, yeah. And <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> like the other yeah. thing that was going on with her is she had herself convinced she was Steve Jobs down to the turtleneck and, yep. and trying to speak a certain way. And she thought she yeah. was, she essentially thought that she was making the, uh, the iPhone of blood testing machines or that right. what right. she was selling to, uh, her investors. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, they were trying to ask for home confinement. We had covered it on down ballot last Tuesday and the, yeah. the people we, the, you know, the legal analysts that we watched, they were like, <laughs> like they're not going to give her home confinement for this. <laughs> like, they, they, you know, they give people home confinement when the, when the max is like two years sometimes, but the, you know, the, yeah. she got, she got darn near the max too. And this, this isn't one of those situations where she's going to be out in half of the time. That's how, how federal time works. You do most of it. Right. You do most of the yeah, time. I, I was pretty surprised at how much time she got. Uh, yeah. I, I, if I had to guess, I would have guessed she would have got about half of what they gave her. Yeah. I would have guessed like four years, like slightly less than half. Right. But I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe... <clears throat> This just goes to show you if you're going to scam people, maybe don't don't choose Henry Kissinger to scam as based as I think it is to scam Henry Kissinger. The courts are coming for you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so uh, my next story is about deep fakes. Uh, Intel claims that they have a technology called fake catcher and that it can detect a deep fake in milliseconds of from basically from the beginning of a video that it is not a real person. Uh, the technical details are in the article that that I have posted here, but the gist of it is that the way that colors and lighting behaves on a real person is actually very hard to fake. It's hard. It's easy enough to fake it. Maybe that you and I wouldn't see it right away, but it's pretty hard to fake it in such a way that a computer, a computer program examining pixels, colors, lighting, and shading can't detect it just right away. So when when deep fakes kind of came out and became like a thing people were worried about you know the smart people that i listened to on this stuff were like hey this is going to be a software arms race where the deep fakes are going to be getting better and better but we're going to have software that detects deep fakes and that's going to keep getting better and better and better and we're just going to end up in the situation where <clears throat> you know maybe the deep fakes will get ahead a little bit but then the the software to detect it'll catch right up and um it's just unfortunate, I guess, that Intel has this and it's not open source. I imagine they'll be charging people to use it, which is probably bad. Although it would be I pretty- can definitely see why it's not open source, because if they made this open source, it would immediately be obsolete. <clears throat> you just use it to train a deep fake model. Huh, maybe. It would maybe and maybe they'll do maybe they'll do the right thing and you know put a thing on their website where you can upload a video or a part of a video and it'll it'll examine it for you. Maybe they'll do the right thing. Not not confident there. Plus, it's uh, early days on it. It's not not ready for prime time. Not ready for like deployment. But it, I believe them when they say it works. Intel doesn't have a history of um, lying about the things they can accomplish. Um, eh. <laughs> in their processor and and dedicated graphics department, that that might not be quite true. <laughs> At least not anymore. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I mean, everybody's running up against just basically physics at this point when they're trying to get yeah. more out of a processor. We're down to like such small, such small, uh, such small manufacturing nodes that it's like we're just running up against physics. So 
<clears throat> that's one of the reasons yeah. they uh, they started adding more cores. They couldn't make the processor go any faster. So like, let's slap two of them on here. Okay, now four, now six, now eight. You know, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with the uh, multi-core processing. Although at the beginning, it was pretty bad because most applications were like, what do you mean two processors? Yeah. <laughs> I think we just need to stack all the cores on top of each other and make it so we have like a, a 6,000 core processor. Kind of like then an apartment building? Run, then I can run Firefox with 6,000 tabs and it'll be fine. <laughs> no, you'd still run out of memory. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> It'd be like the like the like the apartment building um, model of processor technology. <laughs> yeah. And imagine those cores like right smack dab in the middle, where they're like the farthest away from any cooling contact. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, those those are just there. Those are uh, display models. So when somebody comes and looks at the uh, looks at the looks at the core, they can go look at the one that's not doing anything because it can't get cooled. It's like a it's like a show home when in a housing tract. That's that's the show core. So I got one. I got one more. And speak people who do lie constantly about what their technology can do. We got a apartheid Clyde Elon Musk has let the former president back onto Twitter. We all knew he was going to do it. It didn't matter. Uh, the former president seems to be in an agreement with the his own social network, uh, the Truth Social, and to my knowledge, at this time, has not tweeted it's not said anything on twitter i don't know maybe ivanka won't let him who knows but <laughs> um i we knew this was going to happen um elon is unsuspending a lot of accounts um i applied to get my old plex underscore dave account unsuspended i don't think that will be forthcoming that account had a lot of followers um yeah of note, uh, Elon Musk is not unsuspending Alex Jones. And uh, can either of you guess why I think he's not doing it? Don't know. Uh, did Alex Jones make fun of him? Alex Jones has been bad-mouthing Elon Musk for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't know that. Uh, the, the thinnest of skin. The personal grievance. And Trump, yeah, Trump hasn't really bad-mouthed him or whatever. I don't think this matters. I don't think that. I don't think, I think that a lot of people are mad about it, whatever. Um, but I do know that a couple of uh, the Twitter executives quit when he decided to do that. And that's fine. He was probably going to fire them anyway. Didn't like anybody. Does he have any, does he have any employees to reinstate these uh, accounts? Yeah, I think so. There's still 2,700 <laughs> people. There's still 2,700 people there. But the, what, what I understand is the HR department's gone. So I don't know how those 2,700 people are going to get paid. Uh, I think he's just down to essentially the h1b workers the workers that are like forced to be there but then again like you know forced labor elon musk (laughs) two phrases go hand in hand yeah he hasn't his uh at tesla that's like basically like a two-tier system where he the the engineers and the executive staff are treated fairly well but if you work in that factory you are not treated very well at all you are you are expected to work. You are expected to do physical labor for longer than you probably should, and um, you know we're seeing some other stuff going on here. Maybe next week we'll end up talking about it. He's already starting to get into trouble with Germany because Germany has some laws about certain kinds of speech that uh, if you're going to operate in Germany, you have to take it down immediately because of a uh, historical events in the country of Germany that might make the 
their people and their government a little more sensitive to certain kinds of uh, rhetoric. And so mm-hmm. he's already he's already going to get tested by them and like the the people who work in government compliance, most of them are gone, which is not great if you're running a country or company. But I, I mean, my prediction is that within a couple months, he's going to get either frustrated or bored with Twitter, hire some other CEO, make it that person's problem, then complain about that person and fire them and then hire another CEO, make it that person's problem, complain about them and then fire them and then sell They'd probably just sell Twitter to Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. For like pennies on the dollar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For like, like he'll sell it for like million or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll probably sell it for around a billion. Yeah, people say that when he when he purchased it, it might have really been worth maybe eight to ten. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he paid four x for it, and since then it's you know it, it it went private, so we don't know. Like, there's no stock price for it to to dive, so we don't know. But we do see, like, we do see. um second order effects and by that i mean the tesla stock uh Mm, these are not you know these are they're not like inextricably linked but they're not discreet from one another either with him being the the public face of tesla and um yeah i don't know i don't know i just think like i think he just brought trump back because he could and he wanted to like show people that he could and uh, i don't think he'll bring back yeah, he's not going to bring back Alex Jones because Alex Jones called him like a cyborg or something. I forget what he did. He said something weird about him. <laughs> anyway, that's my uh, that's my stuff for the week. Certainly not as interesting as Matt, who I found out where uh, Russell, like colon Russell hyphen J colon Gould, uh, where his uh, where his language came from. It came from the list programming <laughs> language. If you, don't, if, if you don't know what that is, tune in on Fridays for Conspiracy Bingo. We do cover uh, Russell hyphen J colon Gould took me a while to learn to say that um and uh to look up that language just to see if it has any actual thing to it (laughs) (laughs) and uh looks like since you haven't been here for since you weren't here last week i guess who gets to read us out it's hk all right well just like dave said we have other shows and if you want to check them out go to echoplexmedia.com uh, you can check us out on twitch.tv slash echoplex media. And if you want to give us money, you can check us out at patreon.com slash echoplex. Uh, don't find us on Twitter. Find us on Mastodon at port87.social. And uh, I hope you had a tech and great week, and we'll see you next time. I think when I do the logos this week, I'm going to put the Twitter logo upside down on the thumbnail. Can you make it? Can, can you also like put an X where the I would be? Because that's how you. That's how in a cartoon they used to symbolize that people are dead. Yes, I will definitely do that. <laughs>